0: Hi, this is the Becoming Her podcast. I'm your host, Shreeja, and today I have with me Nonita Kalra, the Editor-in-Chief of Harper's Bazaar. She has over three decades of media experience in print and television and is an influencer in fashion, beauty, and lifestyle. Nonita has worked with organizations like India Today, Business World, UTV, BITV, Man's World, and the Indian Express. She was previously the Editor-in-Chief of Elle magazine for nearly 13 years, Till December 2012. Her ideas and initiatives have shaped careers and launched trends. From January 2013 to October of the same year, she consulted on a special beauty project with Godresh Consumer Products, working on building a new brand. In 2015, she consulted with the Fashion Design Council of India on two fashion weeks. Nonita has also written columns for Forbes Life, The Economic Times, and The Indian Express. Thank you so much for being with me, Nonita, and how are you today? I'm very good. Thank you for having me as part of your podcast. So how is the lifestyle currently impacting your work right now, Nonita, with you know everything that's been going on in the world?
1: So we're all learning to work from home. And yes, it is the new normal. But the way I'm dealing with it is I haven't changed my schedule at all. I still wake up early. I still work out first thing. Uh, I get on I get on work calls at the same time I, as I would reach office and I end my work day when I normally would do this, uh, end my work day, 6, six fifteen, um, My life's very disciplined and structured and I'm keeping it that way uh, because I don't want any rude shocks when I can finally go back to work. But I can tell you, I'm trying to get back to work.
0: Oh, I'm sure we're all, I think we all can't wait to get back out there and go back to normal. And like you said, whatever the new normal is, um, you know, I'm trying to make the best of this time by doing this little project. And I must say, I am... Quite intimidated to be interviewing someone with the journalistic prowess that you have. Uh, so again, thank you so much for being here with me. Um, on that note of journalism, Nonita, I you know I wanted to just touch upon your uh, role as a journalist in fashion. You know, I read in one of your interviews that you never see yourself as an editor, but you see yourself as a journalist. So can you talk me through how your you know your foundation in journalism has helped you in your career as a fashion editor?
1: You know, any subject you do, any job you do, you need training for it, right, to give it its due respect. Um, And I think that fashion deserves much more respect than it gets because people tend to dismiss it as frivolous. But the best fashion journalists are journalists first uh, because they're chronicling life, they're chronicling how we, they're chronicling economics, politics, society through clothing and how we wear our clothes. So you need to apply the same rigor of journalism and i think i was lucky i started my career with india today and then moved on to uh, living in bombay and working as a business journalist in business journalism i looked at ad and mark advertising and marketing and i think that really helps because advertising and marketing is much like journalism in as much that the things you start to see around you are a direct result of what's happening in society for example I remember noticing that a lot of brands started advertising water and then, you know, bottled water became a thing. Um, And in one of these books that I read uh, on the stock market, they actually said that if you notice, women are wearing more of one thing and invest in stocks of that. this They were particularly referring to the case of um, Legs, a stockings brand, a pantyhose brand in the West. So you have to apply the same rigor. And I think I was lucky that I spent 10 years doing it. I was lucky doing it as a business journalist. Um, but the best thing that happened to me is when I became the features editor at Express, where we had a page a day and I looked at everything from cinema to television to lifestyle to high society. And I think in a way that gets you ready to cover fashion because, and um, you know, when I joined Elle, I was 31. At that point, and Elle really is very, very French in the way it looks at fashion. For them, it's a fashionable life. It's a fashionable world. So there's cooking, there's decor. All of that is included, travel, um, and I think that really helped me get ready for my role. Of course, nothing gets you ready for the job until you actually do it, but I think that helps me a lot.
0: Yes, I can I can definitely agree with you on that last bit of uh, you know nothing gets you ready for a job unless you do it. I studied uh, business studies in my graduation, and I've since then worked for about five five and a half years doing various marketing jobs and. Nothing that I've learned in all my books and classes has quite helped me understand marketing quite the way that my job has. I, I definitely agree with you on the fact that, you know, the rigor really prepares you for your role. In the world that we live in right now, there is a shift towards uh, newer forms of education. Um, you know, I'm going to go to business school soon and we have, you know, we are faced with the you know option of now going Virtual and doing online classes. I have friends who are considering not doing, you know, post graduation at all, but they'd rather do a Coursera course or a Udemy course. So, in the world today, where we have the options of turning to social media, blogging, and I don't know if you know, but there's this course called Masterclass where they actually even teach yeah. you a course by Anna Vintour Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So, when we have you know options like this in the new world, so do you think that aspirants today could potentially look at these? Non traditional forms of education to be where you are? You know, um, I'm going to have to disagree with you, Shricha, on mm-hmm. the fact
1: that you call it non traditional. Because I think sure. that blogging, YouTube, online courses are the new normal. I, I can't call them non traditional. They're so much part of our universe and have been so much part of our universe that they're an additional way to learn. And I love the fact that they make everything more accessible. I love that you can work, uh, be in a classroom with people from around the world. And I think that people have to, I mean, this is the only way to go ahead. I think it's really important to, it's really important to be agile and nimble and work across media if you're going to do any justice to your job. Even for us in print, sitting here in Bazaar, we can't print a copy. We can't print a magazine, right? Even if we were able to print the magazine, no one's able to bring it to your home. So you would think our ways of communicating have ended. And a lot of people ask me, oh, that means print has died. And I said, print has not died. Print will remain in the place it does. Print will remain as true luxury. I've been comparing print to your mother's uh, you know, wedding sari. You will love it. You will treasure it. You will want it. It will mean many different things. But right now, there are different ways to communicate. You may still want to go to Zara. You may want to buy sustainable outfits. You may want to stitch your own clothing. I mean, so if I'm trying to look at non-traditional ways of learning, it's coming across in the non-traditional ways that we're learning to communicate with each other and consume. Uh, I don't know if that's a terribly roundabout way of putting it across, but I think in this world, we're so lucky that we have the option of reaching out to each other and continuing the conversation in various formats. Everybody will find a place and a format that they're comfortable in. Eventually, you're going to have collectives of cool, and you already have it. You and your friends have a preferred medium of communicating. Other people have their own choice. You have a way of learning. Like you said, you, you're you going to an institute. Other people are opting out for Coursera. Other people will figure out how to do Zoom masterclasses. It's the new normal. I mean, that's it. I, I just would not use the word non-traditional. I would just move it into the lexicon of everyday life.
0: Sure. And I think uh, to go back to what we, you know, the terminology that we used of a new normal uh, in a post-COVID world, I think you're very right in saying that this is not non-traditional. It's the new normal and uh, will may just become the normal very soon. I think we're definitely on that path. Um, You know, one of the things that I have um, sort of personal interest in when it comes to uh, these forms of, communication through blogs and Instagram or WhatsApp even is, um, you know, the difference between creating content that sells and content that has, uh, let's say, depth or, uh, you know, cre- a, lot, a lot more creative license. Uh, now when it comes to bazaar specifically, between, uh, you know, whether it's print or whether it's online media, what is your role and how do you approach this fine line of creating content that sells and creating content that, uh, let's say, you're artistically more happy with?
1: You know, in media, you're lucky that you don't have to create content that sells. And I'm going to use the term sell as a traditional word, much as I hate Mm -hmm. that. But it is. okay. let me backtrack a little. All right. And let me explain the role of a fashion magazine is to create retail appetite. Right. So brands work very closely with fashion magazines to spread information about the brand, to help people develop an aesthetic to help you uh, develop personal style. No other magazine, no other category works this closely. Okay, so people tend to misunderstand and think that it, is, that it is our job to sell a brand. Our job is to create a market for it, which means someone who's sophisticated, who knows their brands, who knows their mind, who's independent, and who knows how to engage, okay? So my content, therefore, needs to make you think and more importantly, needs to connect with your heart. And this is something I've been saying over and over again. And brands that will communicate with you honestly will be the brands that will have resonance. And Bazaar does that. Bazaar communicates with you honestly and you will find resonance. We will never tell you you need an it bag or a shoe to talk to us. And fashion really suffers from that non-inclusionary aspect Or people think so. I think fashion is very, very misunderstood. Um, so. I think that what we do is we communicate honestly, we tell you stories of real women. And I think that for me, the real celebrity, the real hero is a real woman. And all we're trying to do
0: is find a resonance with you that will engage your mind and your heart. So I want to go back to that point where you brought out the, you know, the importance of focusing on real women. Um, I know that uh, you as a fashion editor, you know, you constantly, you know, you endeavor to work with Indian models and you are a big proponent of uh, you know, bringing India out in whether it's in Bazaar or previously, was it Elle? Uh As a fashion editor of global magazines uh, like L and Bazaar, how did you make this decision? And, um, you know, what are your thoughts on how your decision has impacted or panned out in the general public? So here's the thing. A lot
1: of, and it's it's a very interesting thing. I want you to look around and tell me how many local fashion brands exist in the world. Almost none, right? You will have yep. Yep. Bazaar Qatar, you will have Bazaar Serbia, you will have Bazaar India, you will have Bazaar US, Bazaar UK because global it, fashion is a very global phenomenon. Everybody in the business ends up talking to each other because trends often are a reflection of what's going on in society. Often it's global. Um, clothing and conversations about what's in trend somehow they tend to they have an insidious way of reaching you. And you will remember this from your childhood, that you know either you wore bell bottoms and then one fine day you wore drain pipes. And nobody told you, but it started to filter through, right? And that's Mm -hmm. the lovely thing about the things that make women feel good. I think we have an incredible way of just letting other women know to almost like, you're literally sort of absorbing it in your skin. Um, Right? So these global brands exist but they come to our countries with nothing but the greatest respect they come to our country to be indian they just bring global values to us okay so we have the benefit of their impeccable design of the fact that bazaar has a certain look and feel of it that's very bizarre in fact i was at a webinar yesterday and a photographer said you can see a bazaar image." For miles, and you'll know it's a bizarre image because it's very understated, very minimal. It's worn by a woman who knows her mind. She has a certain amount of sophistication. They bring us this this framework. And then we are expected to populate it our own way. We are then expected to make it the best representation of our own country. And I remember this very wonderful French woman teaching me this. She says, Nanita, you are welcome to come to Paris and Milan Fashion Week, but make sure it doesn't clash with your Indian Fashion Weeks. She said, because you're the only person who can teach the world about what's happening in India. And it's something I have always taken very seriously. I can't go to Paris and teach the French about their Fashion Weeks, but I can bring my country out to the world, right? And that's what Mm -hmm. we did. I mean, right from the first issue of Elle, the team that was working on it at that time looked for an Indian model, and they found this wonderful girl in Pune, the girl next door, because Elle is very much a younger brand for the girl next door. Um, the, when I took over Elle, we only worked with Indian models, Indian photographers, Indian stylists, Indian hair and makeup artists, because you had to build your own community. The term fraternity comes from this, right? Each one of us having each other's back. And we have to grow together, otherwise we will not grow at all. It's only when we have the confidence that we can compete globally is that when we started to work a lot with international brands as well, with international photographers and makeup artists, and what it did is then it was phase two because our photographers as well said, well, let me bring in best practices from the West and keep my best practices from India. So, you know, you you bring your people to a level playing field and then competition has to survive. And I think that this is something we've done Most magazines in India do this. Most magazines that have local celebrity and local fashion do it. And we're very, very lucky. There are some countries that don't have a strong enough local celebrity or a strong enough fashion week. But my God, India is bursting at the seams with the most exceptional talent.
0: I really like how you think of Um, you know, including models and stylists of the local origin as a way of representing the local population. Because, um, you know, one thing that fashion has often gotten a bad rap for is its lack of inclusiveness and its lack of diversity. Um, You know, a lot of times when models, perfectly beautiful models and competent models of different color might not have gotten the chance to walk major ramps, that is, of course, changing now. So that's definitely a great way of changing the perceptions of what is beautiful. I uh, have like- to
1: correct you. I have to correct you. You're talking about an antiquated world of fashion. It yes, is yes. Absolutely, you're talking about something that's over a decade old or maybe a decade and a half old. And this is what I mean. People are really ignorant about fashion and yet they feel free to comment about it. They would not do the same thing to business journalists, but I cannot understand why fashion would get this reputation? I remember putting Lakshmi Menon on my cover of Elle so many years ago, and Prabhu wrote one note. He said, You will not touch her skin color. And I said, We didn't plan to. And people have, in fact, I think that it's, it is, you're doing a disservice to beautiful girls by saying dusky girls should be on the cover. Beautiful girls should be on the cover. I don't do the body issue. I don't do the shape issue. I don't do the dusky issue because you're, you, you are asking me to create more. Um, divisions and uh, uh, you know that that don't exist people have to stop saying why can't you put this one on the cover and that one we're doing it we have. Or I don't even use the word diversity because I believe if you're good you will make it on merit and you know what talking about inclusivity fashion has always been the one place that has been safe for creative people look at the number of homosexual people who are stylists in the business, who are designers, who are celebrated. If they were to go out into the corporate world, they wouldn't stand a chance. And yet, nobody is telling the corporate world that they're getting it wrong. In fashion, you can have purple hair, you can have any sexuality, you can have any gender. Nobody looks at it. You're as good as your last collection, your last piece of work. So I'm really sorry if I've jumped in and said this, but I feel
0: really strongly
1: about the misrepresentation of fashion.
0: No, no, no. I'm really glad you brought that out. And I'm sorry if I came across as someone that stood in the opposite, uh, you know, on the other side of the line. Because I don't think you're standing issues. on the other
1: side of the line. I think that you're revealing um, an ignorance that is common, which is why I felt I should clarify.
0: Yes, and I think it's really important. It's great to have someone like you that's, you know, bringing these issues out into the fore. And I agree with you that fashion is one of the most... Um, you know, inclusive places for people to be it's in. A safe space. You are safe. How many
1: places are you safe in? fashion is a safe space for the different and for
0: the exceptional. I agree with you on that, uh Nunita. And you know, great point that you brought out that I had missed out on in, you know, Shrija, I'm just in... very
1: passionate. So thank you for listening to me. It's very <laughs> kind of no. you
0: um it's I'm, I'm you know happy to have served that purpose um you know but since we're on the topic of uh you know of inclusivity and how fashion is a safe space uh you know there is something that at least you know maybe you know since you are on the other side of the line uh you have a much better idea of the ground reality but from where i stand and from you know the lens of a lot of people that are that May not be aware of how the fashion world works. Um, there seems to be a perception of uh, gender inequality that exists both in fashion and in journalism. Uh, now, where you stand is at the cusp where fashion journalism is, and from where I stand, again, it seems to be a woman's world. You know, with you know whether it's Anna Wintour or whether it's you or whether it's Priyatana. We know that there's a lot of women that are at the top of fashion journalism. Uh, But I would like to know if you think there are any challenges that women face in this line of work or any challenges that you have personally faced. In fashion journalism, all the editors of fashion magazines are female,
1: barring a few exceptions. Uh, British Vogue, for example, I remember the editor of El Greece many years ago was a man and the poor chap was just at, an, at odds because we'd have these global conferences and he really did not fit. Um, it is a woman's world in fashion. So you know what, the gender inequality or uh, men coming in and telling us what to do, I've never faced it. Um, before I became a fashion journalist, I was a regular journalist, but I have to tell you, and I had men bosses and women bosses, I didn't see this. In fact, I, I have always believed that journalism is one of the most equal spaces. It, look at Barkhadat in regular journalism. She's no longer associated with NDTV, but my God, she is She's her own brand. She is bigger than NDTV. Right? But do you
0: think that is the she is the exception and not I the don't norm? Think so. No, okay. And do you think that there are any um you know I was reading up uh, again like I said you know you're a lot closer to the ground reality than I am uh, but I was reading up on gender inequality in journalism and there was a topic about how there appears to be a distinction in hard news and soft news when it comes to female and male journalists. Is that something that you agree with or Uh, Is that something that you have not
1: observed? Who are you following these days when you're looking at what's happening in the country? Faye D'Souza, Rana, are you? Faye
0: D'Souza for sure, yes. I don't think
1: you could. I don't think there's harder news than what they bring to the table. Here's the thing. Yes, it's hard for women. And I'll tell you why. It's hard for women because they run a family. Um, They have to to be super women, you know. Um, To get ahead, it's hard for women to leave homes. they they don't often have society support when you get married you often don't have the support even if you have the support you come home your traditional role is still waiting for you it is hard for women but you know women are doing it and they're shining i just think that instead of focusing on glass half full and i acknowledge and respect every woman who struggles I want to celebrate the women who succeeded because I'd like to believe that your generation, particularly, needs to have the confidence that they can do it. A lot of women say, "Well, I won't be allowed." You know what? A lot of us weren't allowed a lot of things. We just didn't listen to someone saying, "I'm allowing you something." I was like, "No, thanks. I think I'm going to do it," and that's it. I I know I'm very privileged. Please do not do not for a minute think that I'm taking away how hard it is for other women. I am very privileged, but I think you as young women must fight this battle as hard as we have. We have fought it very hard. I remember meeting Tommy Hilfiger many years ago and he said, why aren't you married? Why don't you have children? And I said, but I have L. And it came out instinctively. And I know that Mm -hmm. I chose one thing over another because I felt I was fighting a battle for women. We all have to fight.
0: On that, right, Nunita... um you know, my, okay, I have I have a few friends, a few male friends who are, um, I wouldn't call them meninists, but they also do not really get a lot of concepts, basic concepts that uh, feminism talks about, you know, something as basic as the right to not be married or the right to not uh, have children because, well, that's, that is just not a priority in your life at that point or maybe ever. As an editor-in-chief, When it comes to issues that, uh, you know, might be polarizing when it comes to women, you know, polarizing not only between men and women, but also within women themselves, you know, we could could take abortion as an example. Uh, But as an editor of a fashion magazine, how do you approach the decision making when it comes to such potentially polarizing issues when they, you know, as as they relate to women?
1: You know what? I like to call myself a liberal and I think it's really important that every point of view is permitted Celebrated. Okay. So I actually use the word I'm a liberal bigot. I will fight for your right to agree with me and I will fight for your right to disagree with me. So I try not to come down one way or the other on what I believe. It is your right. Yes, we don't tackle the issue of abortion, it doesn't have the place in a fashion magazine. But if a woman chose to write about having an abortion as part of her story, I would publish it. I'm not editing someone's life, but I also am aware of what needs to be in my magazine and what doesn't. I'm not everything and everybody. I'm a specialist magazine. My content has a specialization, right? I am not Mm -hmm. stupid enough to think that I have the right to have an opinion on everything. There are more qualified people who have the right to have an opinion. And, you know, this is the thing I need to tell people. Have an opinion on things you are qualified enough to have an opinion on. Things you have researched enough. There is no shame in saying, I don't know enough about the matter, and I think I will reserve judgment. So I'm not in the, you know, I, I've lived my life the way I've wanted to. I chose not to have children. I chose to live with my partner for many years. We got married very recently. It's my life. I believe that I, the best example I can set is putting my money where my mouth is and living my life the way I want. But my magazine is a safe space for the content that needs to be there for the based on for the issues being addressed
0: by fashion. Uh, so, Nonita, on that, right, you just spoke about how, you know, if someone does not know enough of a topic, it might be better for them to, uh, you know, reserve their judgment on it, which is a very fair point. And I think a lot of us could do well with, you know, especially in the country that we live in, where there's so much divisiveness, you know, we could definitely do well to practice that uh, ethic. Uh, you once mentioned in one of your interviews that uh, people are afraid of looking, you know, of, of being looked at as stupid, and so communication is turning opaque. From where you stand, what is the role and the position of media transparency as a fashion in the world of fashion editing? What do you mean by media transparency? It could be something as basic as fast fashion is bad for the planet, but um, we cannot sponsor, say that. Our, no, we cannot. I, I, I know that. I guess as Bazaar, thing. you no. you. mm
1: mm-hmm. No, sorry. I I am sorry. Please finish what you were gonna say.
0: Um, as Bazaar, I think you set uh, a an ethic which promotes greater transparency. But my question to you more is from the kind of advice you would give someone that's looking to be an editor, and they have to toe that line of uh, you know. Of, of, of transparency, what to be transparent about or what to be opaque about, or should we, should we all be completely transparent about what we put out in the world in terms of our communication? You know, my grandmother gave me some very lovely advice.
1: She said, if you can't say something good about someone, say nothing at all. So what we do, and I, I thought about it, I have a hundred and something pages to tell you what to do, right? Now I could spend all of it saying, don't do this. Don't buy this, don't read this, don't eat here and you would end and you would turn my close my magazine and say what a negative space. Or I could tell you eat here, consume here, read this book, think like this, travel this space. Do you see what I'm doing? Yes. I'm yes. not wasting my space being negative or running something down. I'm steering you in a direction of my beliefs and showing you why I believe it. You can reject it or accept it, right? That's what I mean by transparency. So we believe and we launched the Conscious Beauty Awards because, you know, I looked around and I said, everyone wants to know where their beauty products are coming from as well. Everyone talks about where did my clothes come from, but I want to know where my beauty products are coming from. What I'm putting on my skin is really important to me. It was this wonderful coincidence that young women entrepreneurs were listening to the same thing and making the product, and I could support them with the first Conscious Beauty Awards the country had. This March for fashion, we launched the rewear movement because I just went, listen, we keep telling everybody to be sustainable, but we then tell them, but you have to buy this dress to be sustainable. I'm like, that doesn't seem sustainable. So the rewear movement is go back to your cupboard and pull out your clothes and wear them again. Stop being misled by Instagram that you need a new outfit for everything. And, you know, I wear the same clothes and I announce I'm wearing the same clothes. And I remember somebody and I said this in an interview. Someone said to me, oh, you know, that dress really looked nice. And, you know, last time you wore it. And I said, you know, it's going to look great on me even in 10 years because I'll work out to fit into it, which meant I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to wear the same clothes because I've invested in quality. I love my clothes. They're like my friends. They're my visual communication. They're my wearable cinema. So that's where you bring transparency in. You do it through positivity. You do it through great honesty. And you do it with, you know, your enthusiasm and all your heart. And that's the same advice I would give anyone who wants to be a fashion editor work really hard, be incredibly honest. My grandfather told me this when I became. An intern at India today, he said, from today on, the rules of your life are different. You need to have the same integrity as a doctor. And I thought, Nanaji, don't be funny. I'm just a little journalist. He said, from here on, your life is different. And it has been my guiding principle.
0: Thank you so much for that, Nanita. Um, just winding up, uh, you know, is there any final piece of advice, the most important piece of advice that you could give someone that's uh, looking to be in your shoes?
1: um it's not a lot of fun it's a lot of hard work to be in my shoes but i can tell you this i wake up excited every monday i love my team and i love my work so i guess you know but all of it comes like i said with hard work complete integrity old school integrity um and ambition go ahead be ambitious i ask people when they come uh to be interviewed i'm like do you want my job The people who say yes, I'm very likely to hire them because they force me to be better. And secondly, I know that when I leave, there's going to be somebody amazing to fill in my shoes and do way better than me.
0: Thank you so much for that, Narita. I think that advice is something I can definitely use as well a year down the line when I'm looking for new jobs.
1: Um, Thank you so much. Come come to me. (laughs) I I would love it.
0: I definitely, I will keep you in mind and uh, will be much better in a year when I have that uh, degree in hand, maybe. that's I'm what, sure I'll uh, have a lot to learn from you. Thank you for having me on. I really
1: appreciate this.
0: Thank you so much, Nanita, And uh, to anyone that's listening in, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Please do look up Nonita on her Twitter or Instagram or just pick up a copy of Bazaar. Uh, It has some great content. Uh, You can also reach out to me on the Becoming Her Podcast Instagram page. Thank you and have a great day.